0: There's a reason why in Florida professional wrestling was deemed an essential business. Cause it kicks ass. This is heel turns and headlocks. And this is Bear DiGiulio and Brian Lepre. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Heel Turns and Headlocks podcast. My name is Brandon LaPrey, and with me, as always, what nickname should I give you? It's been so long that I'm at a loss.
1: I'll just say that you are a guy who, on this day, you see clearly. Everything's come to light, brother. And welcome back, by the way. You had a little vacation there, if you will.
0: Vacation, because I don't go outside in the middle of a pandemic, a concept,
1: as Spare would say. God. A concept indeed. <laughs>
0: Let's move on from depressing things like people not caring about others around them
1: to reward things things pro wrestling.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, but to rewarding people for great 2020s, I know it was a weird year for the entire world, a tragic year for the entire world. And I guess before we go any further, we just want to say rest in peace to Brody Lee, Luke Harper, John Huber, however, you know, him or knew him it's surreal it's it we're the entire professional wrestling world is at a loss It, it it's deep in mourning and they say that your legacy is measured by the day that you die the day that we lost Brody Lee there was this incredible outpouring of love from all around professional wrestling in a way that you don't see very often wrestling or otherwise and It. i I wish i had the words i don't i don't think anybody saw this coming um i guess the only thing we can say is that our thoughts and prayers go out to his family and friends out to his wife and his children and we are deeply sorry to everyone who knew him we immediately gather how big of a loss
1: this was it sucked that's all it is it it sucked and we we do send our deepest condolences to the family and the friends of john huber and man what a what a way to end this year right like this year's already been crazy enough as it is and it's just the hits keep coming you know yeah
0: and that's why we wanted to do this episode something positive something to try and end this year on a high note there will be a couple episodes like this so keep an eye out for them but we are doing the year-end awards. Uh, these are our awards. They are not influenced by anybody else but us watching wrestling every day of the damn week. And really, I mean, kind of standard. If you're a sports fan, you're probably familiar with some of these awards. We've twisted some of them up a little bit to fit professional wrestling. We are starting with WWE. That does not include NXT. That is a note to make. We are talking about Raw and SmackDown. Uh quick rundown we're doing the mvp we're doing the manager of the year tag team of the year breakout superstar of the year faction of the year and comeback superstar of the year or just comeback of the year however you want to frame it and i guess that's where we'll start with a guy who does see clearly and that of course is edge uh and we know he didn't wrestle too many matches this year but edge's return at the royal rumble his match at wrestlemania his match at backlash three of the biggest highlights of 2020 from a wrestling perspective, his comeback is already regarded as one of the greatest comebacks ever. And there were some other options here. Uh, You know, some people came back from injuries. Some people decided to take some time off when the pandemic first started and then came back after a few months apart. It just, it's hard to say the word comeback without first referencing Edge, a guy who spent years on the sidelines after one of the most heartbreaking retirements in wrestling history. Uh, we're just gonna get out in front of it and say it. Neither Bear nor I were big Edge fans in the 2000s. Uh, I mean, shout we shout out to Christian. Shout out to Christian. We were Christian fans. Um, Peeps. We were, we, we were the peeps, and we were the two guys in the crowd every night. Um, no, we obviously respected Edge. We viewed him as he was, which is one of the biggest stars of his era. Uh, but we were never huge fans. This run honestly has changed my opinion. I believe it's changed Bears as well. You know, seeing this raw emotional side to Edge where everything is just so real. You know, his retirement really is – one of the saddest moments in wrestling history it, it was devastating to see a guy who was on top as world heavyweight champion winning a match at wrestlemania with the title on the line uh, concluding a pretty good feud with alberto dario you know I have to walk away at the height of all of it and you know you look at it and edge really one of those wrestlers where his resume kind of sneaks up on you you know You know that he did a lot, and then you look at it and you go, whoa. You know, Bear and I always say, everybody pretended to complain about John Cena having the title all the time. Edge was on top for, what, five, maybe six years, and he held the world championship 11 times. That's pretty much twice a year. That's actually more than twice a year. So twice a year for closer to a decade than not a decade – that dude was a champion twice a year that that edge was on top for a long time is what i'm trying to say uh obviously revolutionary wrestling or in the early 2000s as well the ladder matches the tlc matches he was a great intercontinental champion tag team champion etc cetera, etc cetera. but to have an 11 time world champion come back in one of the all-time great royal rumble matches in general kind
1: of takes the cake And when crowds were still a thing in shows, you know, I know there, there are not many examples of it this year, obviously, because everything shut down, but edges return was the talk of wrestling for a long time. The emotion that came out of him coming out to the ring, you saw it, you saw his face, you saw the crowds reaction. And that's why we had to make him the comeback star of the year. You know, he lasted pretty long in that Royal Rumble match earlier this year. We have to make mention he was a part of the world. The what was the tagline at Backlash? The greatest match ever. Hey, that was a thing, you know, Um, that feud with Randy Orton probably would have continued had Edge not been injured. And it looks like Edge may be making a comeback soon. You know, he was uh, he suffered a torn tricep. So they said it would sideline him for 4 to 8 months. I think we're on month 7 at this point. So, we might maybe 2021, the year the comeback of the year will be Edge again. We don't know, but you know, that raw emotion in Edge's comeback really forced our hand here in making him the comeback star of the year.
0: Yeah. And and I'll say this. My wife, she likes wrestling enough. We go to shows, well, went to shows. Hopefully, we'll be able to again one day. Um I don't think I've ever seen her more engaged in a wrestling storyline than when Edge and Randy were just cutting these raw, brutally emotional promos. I mean, she made it a point even as, I guess, a casual fan to wait through the entire three-hour Raw and get to the end when Edge was going to come out and cut that promo. And then Randy comes out, the rest is history. I, it It is a moment that... I mean, honestly, his return might be the best moment of 2020 from a wrestling perspective. I'm not saying it is or isn't, but it's on the list. And considering his WrestleMania match was great and his Backlash match was great, kind of hard to not give it to Edge. Now on to the next award, Faction of the Year, Uh, Stable of the Year, Group of the Year, boy band of the Year, whatever you want to call it.
1: can we do boy band of the year? That'd be boy
0: awesome. band of the year. Where is three count when you need them? Uh, shout out. to been courageous. What uh, blast from the past? There you go. WCW, baby. Um, Faction yeah. of the year. We are talking about, of course, the only choice. The Hurt Business. Uh, the Hurt Business have. Really gone through a pretty fascinating transformation over the course of the past. What? seven months you know they formed in early may or mid may when mvp essentially approached bobby lashley and pointed out the obvious you're the most physically dominant wrestler in wwe with brock lesnar out and even with brock lesnar here you can easily make that case and yet you've done nothing you haven't won any titles you haven't had any signature victories even and the one that you did have over roman reigns was pretty much negated the very next evening on raw what are you doing and that has kind of been the story and we'll get to that a little later if you're a little patient but what we've seen over the past seven months is bobby lashley shelton benjamin and cedric alexander all hold championship gold they will Barring unforeseen events, this Monday on Raw, they will all enter 2021 with titles around their respective waists. Shelton Benjamin, for what it's worth, is also a three-time 24/7 champion. But point is, Bobby Lashley has been the United States Champion for quite a while now, and Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, after having some great matches with the New Day, finally overcame the greatest tag team of a of their generation and became the Raw Tag Team Champions. It's been pretty, pretty amazing to see that when you consider that this group essentially debuted as what the guys who ran raw underground, you know, but they've found a way to remain relevant. And me personally, I don't think there were many moments that I enjoyed this year, quite as much as when the four members of the hurt business came out to confront the confront retribution and came out all wearing suits, took their jackets off and ran down. It felt like evolution. It was awesome. And I think that was the turning point for a lot of people. And that was the moment where everyone started to say, okay, this group is actually pretty awesome. And they've had a great year and now they enter 2021 with an opportunity to have an even better year. So maybe they will be back-to-back faction of the year
1: winners. It was hard to vote against them, you know, uh, with all due respect to, the new day who if heel turns and headlocks were a podcast this time last year, they probably would have won stable of the year then. Yeah. And for the last, however many years they've been together, but this has been the hurt Business's year. You know, Brian said it, Bobby Lashley, United States champion, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin are now the raw tag team champions. This is, this is the most dominant stable in all of WWE. And, quite frankly, they're entering 2021 with all the gold. So why not? Who knows? They may go back to back. I love, I love, I love that idea. And you've really, you know, we're, we're going to get to manager of the year in a second. And, you know, there's a lot of like good names up there, but it really boils down to just how much MVP has almost saved Bobby Lashley, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. Right. You know, MVP is in contention, by the way. For manager of the year we're not saying he is or isn't but when you look at the hurt business and you break down these layers here before the hurt business what was bobby lashley doing making out with lana what was shelton benjamin doing chasing around the 24 7 championship in these in you know i'm sorry to say but kind of useless segments and you're not you're not capitalizing on such a wrestler to the capacity that shelton benjamin can be and then you had cedric alexander doing not much on main event from May till now, you've established this group of four guys that were not doing much, and now they're the most dominant faction, and not just Raw, not just Mag- all of WWE, you know. Quite frankly, even in NXT, we haven't seen a stable this dominant since Undisputed Era, but 2020 wasn't necessarily the year of Undisputed Era, I guess you can say. You know, they had some wins, of course, but they weren't collectively winning quite like the Hurt business. So no brainer, right?
0: Absolutely, and again, New Day has a case to make. I guess King Corbin's new faction coming on strong, the Mysterio family, the Greater Good. A lot, a lot of options here, but the Hurt business ultimately walked away with it. And transitioning from the Hurt business to an individual who ran into the Hurt business at Survivor Series, we're talking about the breakout superstar of the year. And I, I guess we're kind of throwing a curveball because the breakout superstar of the year is a veteran he's a guy who's been in not only wrestling but wwe for a long time and yes he's a former nxt champion but 2020 marked the first time that this guy won championship gold between ron smackdown and it's really actually as a fan of him from when he was allegedly a masked wrestler on the indies who knows if that's even true we don't know we don't know it, it's one of the best years of his entire career, and we're obviously at this point talking about Sami Zayn. Uh, Sami Zayn became not only a one-time, well, if you ask him one time, but a two-time WWE Intercontinental Champion this year. He won it from Braun Strowman in a three-on-one handicap match in March. He actually defended it successfully at WrestleMania against Daniel Bryan, a former world champion. Uh, kind of affirmed his status as a singles champion in WWE. He ultimately stepped away for a bit during the, uh, the previous height of the pandemic. Now we're back with another one, but previous height of the pandemic, uh, but then came back, claimed that he was the real intercontinental champion and he won it back in a classic TLC match against again, world champions, AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy. So to recap, Sami Zayn has beaten four world champions this year. AJ Styles, Braun Strowman, Daniel Bryan, twice, and Jeff Hardy. He also beat Biggie in a match and main evented the last SmackDown of 2020. One of the, what was it, the highest rated show of the entire year? Sami Zayn was in the main event. I understand that Sami Zayn has been around for a while. Bear and I are both huge fans of his. He's one of the best of his generation, but this was the year that Sami Zayn became a quote-unquote WWE superstar. He is one of the best heels in wrestling, and that, God, he's hateable. Holy crap, is he hateable. And he, along with AJ Styles, deserve a lot of credit for making the Intercontinental Championship not only relevant again, but something that can drive a show. And that's what it's done for SmackDown for the better part of 2020. And again, Sammy and AJ are the two guys who made that happen. That ultimately led to breakout superstar of the year, Sammy Zayn.
1: Sammy was in a bit of a drought since winning the Intercontinental Championship. It was five years since his last one championship in WWE when he was NXT champion. Five years later, he comes in and he, he defeats, Brayden said it, a bunch of future Hall of Famers. There's no doubt in my mind, Sami Zayn is going to be a Hall of Famer as well, but yeah. when you break it down, you beat AJ Styles, you beat Jeff Hardy, Daniel Bryan, Braun Strowman, and then you have this awesome feud with Big E. It really, show, it really catapulted the Intercontinental Championship into what it is now. Everybody was so excited this past Friday on SmackDown when Big E won it. It's because of how important the Intercontinental Championship feels now. And we have to give the majority of that credit to AJ Styles, to Daniel Bryan, but most of all to Sami Zayn. It's a, this was also, you know, it was, it's hard to say that this was a no brainer because again, come, you know, this category could have went many different ways, but this was definitely a year Sami Zayn really kind of came into his own. I was, surprise that he went quote unquote heel, you know, just a few months ago, it feels like, but it's been well over a year now, right? At this point, he kills it. He's killing it. He's one of the top heels in the game right now. Everybody was super excited to see him lose the Intercontinental Championship, to biggie. And that's really everything you want in a heel make you hated. You know, he, he put, um, what was it? The handcuffs in Jeff Hardy's, Jeff Hardy's earlobe. He was running away from any and all challenges that came his way, but it made sense. That's what dastardly heels do. And it was, it was just, it was a really good year for Sammy Zayn, And I can't wait to see just what, what comes of it in 2021, because I think he's going to have a very successful 2021 as well.
0: I agree. I agree. Sami Zayn breakout superstar of the year. I know it's, it's kind of weird. We were thinking about doing Keith Lee there. You know, we're actually not the people who are, are down on his year. We actually think he's had a great year on Raw. We, we've we seen him with a lot of top stars, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, etc. cetera. Uh, we've seen him beat Bobby Lashley. We've seen him beat Randy Orton. Like He's been kept not only relevant, but in that this guy's a top star status. And I think maybe I understand some of the transformations in attire and entrance music weren't well-received, and some people expected maybe a quicker build and to catapult it from I guess where it started to world championship status really quickly, but we still think Keith Lee had a great year. He's our runner up for this award, but the winner is Sami Zayn, And that brings us to another award that had fierce competition between two of the best in the world, really. And that is tag team of the year. Uh, we'll just get out and say the runner up the new day, the new day had a great year, all formations of them really, uh, you know, Xavier Woods comeback was, I mean, another candidate for comeback superstar of the year, Xavier Woods, you know, uh, Biggie and Kofi were great, but the tag team of the year was really the team that clinched it by beating the new day at survivor series. And that is the street profits, uh, you know, barring a shocking loss at the house shows that are not even being held. So not going to happen. Uh, the Street Profits will have held the tag team titles between Raw and SmackDown for 300 plus days. Essentially, there've only been 2 months all year where they were not tag team champions. Kind of hard to pick anybody else in that situation. Uh you know, they are obviously incredibly entertaining wrestlers. Montez Ford has future world champion written all over him. Angelo Dawkins, the body tra- transformation, the the expansion of his move set, he's really, you know, it's actually really interesting you know angelo dawkins a very talented wrestler but a guy who's been in the wwe system for a long time and i think coming into 2020 or maybe even during the first half of 2020 there was a lot of talk about montez ford a lot of talk about how he's oh man look at this guy he has suit i just said it he has world champion written all over him and it kind of overshadowed angelo dawkins Angelo Dawkins has kind of taken some of that spotlight back by proving that he's not just the tag team partner. He's not only a powerhouse, but he's athletic and really he's explosive. And it's added so much to those matches. Their recent matches with Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode have been very entertaining. And that match at survivor series against the new day, we said it before that's about as close to a five-star match as it gets. That match was awesome. And, really street profits. It seems like the future is theirs. You know, that they, they are, their top stars in WWE. They're, they're presented to us in that way. And we're happy to receive them and tag team of the year, the street profits, honestly, all due respect to the new day, I'll do respect to everyone else. It didn't seem like there was really another option.
1: Really? No. Right. I mean, you go to raw and in March, you win the tag team titles. You've successfully defended it, defended these titles against legitimately everyone that came in your way. Everyone, Angel Garza and Austin theory, Angel Garza and Andrade, the Viking Raiders, you know, they've had all these memorable feuds. you know, the street profits have had all these memorable feuds, right? And then they're drafted over to SmackDown. There's a title swap with them in the new day. And now they've been feuding with Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. Dolph Ziggler, a former world champion, Bobby Roode, a former United States champion, you know, we just talked about Bobby Roode as a potential future TNA Hall of Famer. Go check that episode out. They're holding their own. These the Street Profits are holding their own. Any and all competition that comes their way, they're they're killing it against them. They seemingly they're winning all of these feuds. This was this was a no-brainer for tag team of the year. And if everything goes accordingly, there's no doubt in my mind they repeat as well. I mean, could we see a tag team from NXT be quote unquote? called up I think it's a linear move called linearly is linearly a word it is now could we see undisputed era come up or come to the side? whatever could we see them Kyle Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong come up and become tag team of the year in 2021 you never know the possibilities are endless though you know I can't wait to see what 2021 holds for the tag team division a division by the way that is near and dear to both myself and Brian's hearts But as of right now, you know, the Street Profits are the kings of the tag team division and former NXT tag team champions, former Raw tag team champions, current SmackDown tag team champions. You know, they did win a Slammy for the tag team of the year in 2020. So it correlates. It all makes sense. You know, there were also breakout stars of the year, by the way, Slammy Award, according to Wikipedia. So really a no-brainer here. I mean, all of these, I feel like the next few categories, there was a lot more competition Throughout, who could have won them? Even Keith Lee being breakout star of the year. We we had those discussions, but the Street Profits were the reigning kings of the tag team division, and I can't wait to see what their future holds too. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of both, obviously, but Montez Ford, future world champion, no doubt in my mind.
0: And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we transition from those who enter the ring to those who stand directly outside of it. Manager of the Year. Uh, The runner-up is Paul Heyman. Uh, Zelina Vega also deserves some credit. But Paul Heyman was the runner-up. He's essentially helped really he's helped Roman Reigns do a complete career 180. Uh, He's gone from I guess kind of the top star that nobody really accepted to the guy who's just leaned into it and become the most hated man in wrestling, Roman Reigns. And Paul Heyman deserves a lot of credit for that. Paul Heyman really adds so much to the character. You know, he he's, he's helped Roman Reigns tap into what's inside of him and just say, who cares if they appreciate you just go out there and they think that everything happens on your terms. Fine. Go out there and do everything on your terms. See how they like it. And that's created some captivating television. Let's be honest. You know, we we just mentioned Sami Zayn and Big E in the main event of the highest rated wrestling show of 2020. The opening match, Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns, big reason why everybody tuned in. Uh, That feud has been incredible. Uh, And really... I think that's what makes Paul Heyman great but we couldn't make him the manager of the year because the manager of the year is well he's a guy we've already talked about it's MVP. We already told you everything that the Hurt Business have done. United you know, States Champion, Tag Team Championship, multi-time 24/7 champion if you care about that but Really, this just lends to what Bear's point was from earlier. MVP has saved these three wrestlers from obscurity. Three incredibly talented wrestlers, yes, yeah, Shelton Benjamin, you know, closer to the end of his career than the beginning, but you're t- look, if you were a fan of WWE in the 2000s, you know just how damn good Shelton Benjamin was. Most people agree that he is one of the best wrestlers to never win the world title. In the ring, I don't really think there was anyone who could do what he did. He kind of, he almost trans, he almost added a more athletic element to Kurt Angle. And I'm not saying he was as good as Kurt Angle, but he's pretty much as close as it gets. And, you know, he had classic matches with guys like Shawn Michaels and Triple H, uh, you know, one of the best tag team wrestlers as well, you know. It just really comes down to Shelton Benjamin came back to WWE. It seemed like he and Chad Gable as a tag team would find success. Didn't really gain traction. And Shelton Benjamin has kind of been stuck in catering. Doesn't feel right that a multi-time intercontinental champion, that a former United States champion should be stuck there. And MVP pulled him out of it and, Helped him realize what he was capable of again. He did the same thing for Bobby Lashley. As Bear said, Bobby Lashley was making out with Lana every week. Cuckolding Rusev. That was it. And and a guy who has all the tools to be dominant. And no, he did not win the world title from Drew McIntyre. But MVP's guidance helped Bobby Lashley pivot and focus on the United States Championship, which he's now held for the better part of the year. You know, Bobby Lashley... I mean, who even wants to step up to him? Because apparently nobody does when you look at the list of actual challengers he's faced. Uh, Don't really blame the locker room for that. Bobby Lashley is a big and terrifying human being. Uh, And then, of course, there's Cedric Alexander, a former cruiserweight champion, a guy who earned his contract in one of the best matches of the past 10 years against Cody Ibushi in the cruiserweight classic, where we saw an incredibly emotional moment when Triple H came out after the match and the whole crowd was basically sa- chanting, please hire Cedric. And Triple H gave the thumbs thumbs up and the rest is history. You know, Cedric Alexander had that great feud with Buddy Murphy on 205 Live. Uh, you know, had some great matches with guys like Ms- Mustafa Ali, uh, Andrade, et cetera, et cetera. AJ Styles. And then it went nowhere. MVP has kind of been like the really almost like all due respect to Seth Rollins, but the savior of Monday Night Raw because he's taken these wrestlers who have been neglected and overlooked and put into a box that may not actually fit what they're capable of. And as we've seen, it certainly did not fit what they were capable of. And he's helped them not only become relevant again, but become champions. And in our opinion, that's what being a manager is all about you know, taking someone and enhancing or elevating their career. And that's exactly what MVP has done in 2020. And who in the world would have expected that, right? Like when he came back, he, he was the other guy who came back at the Royal rumble and nobody really talked about it because it was overshadowed by edge. And, you know, he had some spot appearances here and there and it was cool. Cool. Nobody saw it gaining real traction. He feuded with Apollo Cruz over the United States championship. And then he humbled himself and he said, no, I may not be able to win the title at this stage of my career, but I can help someone else do it. And it's 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 almost been inspiring, weird as it is to say, because they cheat a lot. But it has been inspiring to see three guys, or even four, including MVP, with careers that seemingly stalled, all of a sudden regain this momentum and become pillars of Monday Night Raw.
1: That's why it was so hard to choose the manager of the year, because you said it, Roman Reigns, had a killer year, but he was gone for a bit due to the pandemic. So him, his alliance with Paul Heyman didn't really start until what was it? August at SummerSlam. But MVP has been killing it with the Her business since they since their inception in May, and since then he's propelled them into becoming United's champion and Raw Tag Team champions. Now, it's you know Drew McIntyre has got his hands full right now, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it for a second if Bobby Lashley went back after the WWE championship, it, you know, under MVP's guidance, they've been killing it. There's no doubt in my mind that he can propel Bobby to that next level. He could propel Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin to being the best tag team on Monday night raw, which they currently are because they are the current raw tag team champions. MVP really was really the saving grace for those three guys. Nobody really saw this coming. I know I didn't. When he came back in the Royal Rumble, I thought, okay, one-time appearance, cool. You know, got the little pop there because everybody loves his theme song and everybody loved the character back in the day. You know, he was he was a very entertaining United States champion all those years ago when he was a full-time performer. Had a very entertaining feud with Matt Hardy when they were SmackDown tag team champions. Now, you know, everybody thought, okay, he's here for one night, comes out, does the ballin' thing. Cool little nostalgia act. But he's really made 2020 into his year, helping Bobby Lashley and uh, and his tag team champions come up, and he saved their careers. That's really all there is to it. We had to make him our manager of the year. And this next category, Brian, this was another very hard one to choose. I'm going to let you explain.
0: Well, we are on to the female mvp of 2020 and well how the hell do you figure this one out you know becky lynch for the first third of the year was the biggest star in professional wrestling Uh, you know charlotte flair guess that's more so nxt than wwe but she had a great year in wwe as well she's capped it off pretty damn well not only winning the wwe women's tag team titles but defending them that also throws wrestlers like Shayna baszler into the mix as she wrestled for the raw women's championship at wrestlemania and then held the women's tag team titles for well over 100 days there are a lot of great contenders but it really came down to three and in alphabetical order that was Asuka, bailey and sasha banks uh, the three women who have dominated professional wrestling or at least WWE, if you want to view it that way. But in our eyes, professional wrestling uh, in basically every way imaginable, they've they've been entertaining and they've been captivating. But they've also just proven that as wrestlers in that ring, there are very few who are even close to their level, let alone on it uh, for Asuka. She is a two-time Raw Women's Champion now. She's won the tag team titles this year with Charlotte Flair as well. She's become Asuka, two belts. Asuka, also champion on some other way. I don't know. Whatever you want, put it on t t-shirt, however you want to do it. It could be awkward. It'll still sell. Um, Point is, Asuka's had a great year, and Sasha Banks obviously – over the past two months, being the SmackDown Women's Champion, finally, you know, she won the Raw Women's Championship at one point. She won the tag team titles again. She's the only woman who has held all three of the quote-unquote main roster world titles on the women's side during the 2020 calendar year. That's a huge feather in her cap. And with saying all of that, what it really came down to was, with all due respect to them, it had to be Bailey. Uh, Bailey held the Smackdown Women Championship for 513 of a possible 517 days. Yes, Sasha has been great and and Sasha was essential to Bailey's story arc and, and Sasha even helped Bailey retain that title on multiple occasions. And now she beat Bailey in a classic at Hell in a Cell and She's been champion, a fighting champion over the past two months. It's all great to see. Nobody's denying it. But Bailey was on top for pretty much the entire calendar year. And whether or not she had help from outside sources, it's kind of hard to sit here. Just like we said with the street profits, it's kind of hard to sit here and say, you were champion for pretty much 300 days this year, but we're going to go with someone else. There's nobody else who can say that there's nobody else who really even comes close all due respect to the other candidates. It's gotta be Bailey.
1: It's, it was so hard for me and you know, it was so hard for me to choose against Sasha. She was Ross raw, raw women's champion this year. She was smack. She is currently the SmackDown women's champion. She was a tag team. She was women's tag team champion with Bailey, but brain said it, you hold the SmackDown Women's Championship for over 500 days, you have to be the MVP of women's wrestling in 2020. And every feud that Bailey was a part of, yes, she was very sneaky and very deceptive and all that good stuff and really played that character well, right? She beat Carmella. She beat Sasha. Her and Sasha had an awesome feud this year. You know, anyone that you put against... Bailey lost until she lost the t- until she lost the women's championship to Sasha Banks, but Sasha didn't win it until the middle of this year. So for the better part of this year, Bailey was the champion and she was defending it against everybody that came in her way, despite underhanded heel tactics, I guess, if you will, she had just, you go down this list of everybody that she's defeated this year. Tamina Snuka, Sasha Banks. She had feuds with Asuka, she had feuds with Nia Jax. She her and her and Sasha may have lost the women's tag team titles to Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, but it it was so hard. It was so hard to say that Bailey was not the MVP of women's wrestling in 2020. I'm I'm excited to see what the future holds for Bailey in 2021. However, I'll make a prediction right now. I know we don't usually do this here at Heel Turns and Headlocks, but for God's sake, if Bianca Belair is at least not in the conversation for women's MVP in the year 2021, when we do this podcast again in 365 days, I'm going to lose my SHIT. I am trying not to swear. Because she is the roughest, toughest, sporty-est, i don't know—the so much potential in Bianca Belair. She's young, she's athletic, she's gifted on the mic. She's just so, so damn good. And right now, she is currently feuding Bailey. She actually just lost to Bailey a few weeks ago on SmackDown. As of this recording, so I think 2021 will be the year of Bianca Belair. But this isn't about 2021, Bear. This is about 2020, and. There's really been no um no one better. No one better in the women's wrestling aspect than, than Bailey. What?
0: Nobody better than Canyon.
1: Oh my we just had a Canyon reference in 2020, God bless.
0: And lucky Cannon. No. All comes full circle, baby. But now- there it is. Female MVP, Bailey, and to run down what we've done so far, female MVP, Bailey, Manager of the Year, MVP. Not to be confused with the other awards, we mean Montel, Vontavious Porter. Tag Team of the Year, The Street Profits, Breakout Superstar of the Year, Sami Zayn, Faction of the Year, The Hurt Business, and Comeback Superstar of the Year, Edge. That leads us to the last, I guess, individual award, if you will. I've got two others to follow this. That'll be more about, well, you'll see. Uh, the last individual award is male MVP. And the top three for this award, in alphabetical order again, were Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, and Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, we already said, has been unbelievable. But He also missed about a third of the year. We understand why he missed a third of the year. We're not giving him any gruff for it. We, by all means, support that decision and think it was the right one. But the reality is, when it comes to this specific award, it had to go to the guy. Well, we'll get there. Second runner-up, Randy Orton. It was so damn difficult to not give him this award. I'll say that. Any other year, he'd probably get it because his rivalry with Edge was, I mean, devastating and amazing. You know, his attacks of legends like Ric Flair and Christian were not only dastardly and downright evil, but almost depressing because it was heartbreaking. It was genuinely emotional. You know, and I'll say this. If Even though he's not our male MVP, I don't think anybody has been better without a crowd than Randy Orton. I guess that's the best way to put it. Nobody has adapted better to this environment than Randy Orton. And I know that makes it seem like, well, then why isn't he MVP? We'll get there. But Randy Orton has been absolutely incredible. Nobody would have expected to say this this deep into his career that he was the best heel in wrestling this year. And yes, I include Roman in that because Randy has been steadily hated for a full year. And now he's engaged in this great feud with Bray Wyatt. Um, I'm personally loving it. We're not going to get into that today. What we will say is that the man who beat Randy Orton for MVP, well, it's the man who beat Randy Orton. And that, of course, is Drew McIntyre. This is kind of like Bailey. It's kind of like the Street Profits. How the hell do you not give it to Drew McIntyre? Randy was incredible. Roman has been incredible. Drew McIntyre, he's been the guy. He's had incredible matches. He's been WWE champion for 243 of the past 365 days. And about three months of that period was just him waiting for the world title shot that he earned at WrestleMania by winning arguably the greatest Royal Rumble ever. And I don't mean Greatest Royal Rumble. I mean, it was just the best. Uh, Drew McIntyre, I'm almost at a loss when it comes to him because this is a guy who Vince McMahon literally came out on national television and said, he is the chosen one. He is a future world champion. How often have we ever seen Vince McMahon do that for a guy who has never won anything? Drew McIntyre was pegged as the guy early on. And, well, he's kind of been steadily proving why this entire year. The Royal Rumble win, one of the best Royal Rumble matches ever. His elimination of, Drew, of uh, Brock Lesnar, excuse me, got one of the biggest crowd reactions I've ever heard. And his elimination of Roman Reigns got the same kind of reaction. Uh, you know, he goes into WrestleMania and he beats Brock Lesnar at Brock Lesnar's game. He said, Brock, you want to go big move for big move? Let's do it. My big move will beat your big move. And in under five minutes, that's exactly what he did. And then he beat the other most physically dominant wrestler maybe ever in the big show the same night. Goes on to face Seth Rollins in a great match at Money in the Bank. Goes on to face Bobby Lashley in a really good match at Backlash. Defends his title in a tag team match with that R-Truth talked him into. Has two incredible Extreme Rules matches with Dolph Ziggler. His match with Randy Orton at SummerSlam was amazing. The Ambulance match at Clash of Champions is a match of the year candidate. He had a surprising out of nowhere title defense against Robert Roode. What more do you want? You know, yeah, Randy beat him at Hell in a Cell. But then what about a, a month later in that no disqualification match on Raw? Another match of the year candidate, Drew McIntyre beats Randy Orton to win the title back. And now he closes out the year by beating former WWE champions and AJ Styles and The Miz to retain the title at TLC. I know I literally just ran down the list, but it's just like. I all due respect to John Moxley, who has been great as well. Drew McIntyre has set the standard for what a quote unquote fighting champion is supposed to be. He has not been the underdog. He has not been the, how is he going to pull this off? He's just the guy who's like, you want to fight? Let's fight. And it's been incredibly entertaining. And I really hope that people don't associate him with Raw's ratings because he is the last person to blame. Drew McIntyre has been incredible. He's our MVP of 2020. And honestly, 2021 looks like it's going to be just as great of a year.
1: Nobody... Nobody Bennett, Nobody had a better year than Drew McIntyre. You know, I I don't mean to run the list down again, but just check out the names that Brian just mentioned. Brock Lesnar, one of the greatest of all time, right? Former UFC champion, former multiple-time WWE universal champion. list goes on and on, you know. Drew McIntyre beats Bobby Lashley. The one of the more physically imposing wrestlers in WWE history, big show. Randy Orton, one of the greatest of all time. Dolph Ziggler, one of the best wrestlers of our generation. You know, Dolph Ziggler's had stellar matches with anybody you put in the ring with him. Drew McIntyre beats all of these guys. Drew McIntyre beats Randy Orton, one of the greatest of all time. I think people, I think a lot of people will put him in that discussion. And Randy's had a killer year. We said it already. You know, Drew couldn't beat Roman Reigns at survivor series, but Drew has still been, Drew's been there every week of 2020, killing it on raw, killing it on every pay-per-view. And then Drew, you know, Drew beats AJ Styles. Drew beats the Miz. The Miz is no longer Mr. Money in the bank because of it. It's, it's so hard to argue against Drew McIntyre being the MVP of 2020. And overall, by the way, you know, with all due respect to John Moxley, like Brian said, John Moxley had a killer 2022. Not 2022, but 2020 as well, I should say. Maybe John Moxley will be the MVP of 2022. Who knows? Well, I, whatever. My point is, you know, this was Drew's year. 2021 just may be Drew's year as well. But 2020, man, has just been. The year of the claymore, as they say. I'm personally excited to see what 2021 holds for Drew McIntyre, of course, because I'm really hopeful, really hopeful that eventually we get Drew McIntyre against Sheamus, because that's a feud that I know will just be hard hitting. Again, two meaty men just pff, slapping meat, right? Um, and then who knows if you know if my pick for the Royal rumble is big E who is the current intercontinental champion. And he chooses to face drew McIntyre at WrestleMania and we get big E against drew McIntyre. It's uh, it's exciting times in wrestling. I know ratings are down and all that good stuff. And we're going to talk about that in a later episode, but the potential in drew McIntyre is just endless. I just, you know, I can't believe the year that he's had and it sucks that he didn't have his WrestleMania moment in front of a crowd, but he's really navigated the waters here for WWE. And I think it's just, it's going to continue into 2021 and beyond.
0: And on that note, we move on to the two awards that I guess are, they're more about what people do together. That's a nice way to frame people trying to, Nearly murder each other inside of a wrestling ring. Uh, we're talking about feud of the year. We actually have different picks on this one. I'll get started because I'm selfish. I know it seems like forever ago because 2020 seems like it's been 30 years long. I'm gonna go with Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman. Uh, I know that maybe it's not the the matchup of the the AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan's of the world in the ring. But it was just a captivating story. Uh, the nuances of it were incredible. Uh, I, I made a Reddit post about this a few months ago, but it's genuinely one of my favorite storylines of all time. You know, they they really explored the origins of the Wyatt family. We got to see the return of cult leader Bray Wyatt, eater of worlds, whatever you want to call him. That alone was pop worthy. We got the introduction of Alexa Bliss as some kind of companion with the fiend. There were a lot of great moments from that feud, but I think what it really just boils down to for me is it had so many layers and it never stopped peeling them. There were so many things that even diehard wrestling fans had forgotten about that they managed to kind of just sprinkle in there and add so much to the story. Uh, Bray Wyatt, obviously one of the great storytellers in the history of professional wrestling. But Braun Strowman really shined, I thought, in that role. I think that this rivalry helped define his title reign as a solid universal title championship reign and potentially something that opens the door to Braun Strowman becoming the multi-time world champion that we all basically knew he could be. Uh, But this was... I think this is probably my favorite feud of the Fiends so far. Uh, And he's had some good ones, but this was just... A really interesting exploration of The Fiend as a character, of Braun Strowman as a character. And we got to see the, I guess you could call it the three faces of fear, like the three faces of Foley. And we got to see Funhouse Bray. We got to see Eater of World's Brain. We got to see The Fiend. I, I just think that it's opened so many doors to future possibilities while also being a great feud and story on its own. So Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman for me is the feud of the year for 2020 in WWE.
1: I'm going to have to go with a different pick than what I had told you. I was just thinking about my feud of the year, and while it didn't go as long as other feuds, I think my feud of the year has to go Roman Reigns against Jey Uso. It really solidified Roman as the biggest, sorry to swear, the biggest dick of 2020 beating the holy hell out of his family forcing his cousin to quit telling him to lay down and take the payday you know it was masterful storytelling those two matches that roman had against Jey uso were just incredible you know and who would have thought Jey uso would be main eventing a pay-per-view in 2020 2020 has been a weird year but we got Jey uso main eventing pay-per-views here for the universal championship i don't think wwe universe mode even had that going on in the simulation but the storytelling to me was what really did it and that's why that is my feud of the year you know Roman Reigns solidified himself as the tribal chief in that feud and now it's on every piece of merchandise you have for Roman Reigns the head of the table you know inevitably I think slash hope we get Dwayne coming back to prove that Dwayne the Rock Johnson the Rock coming back to WWE to prove that he is the head of the table of the The bloodline, the lineage of Samoan wrestling hierarchy. Roman Reigns is proving that he is he is what he says he is, and that's the big dog. And that really proved it in his feud with Jey Uso. And now that they're aligning together, I think it's perfect for both guys. But that feud to me really made Roman the guy. And that's why he's ending 2020 as universal champion. So that's my feud of the year. But there were a lot of damn good feuds in 2020. A lot more than people, I think, will give 2020 credit for in WWE.
0: Obviously, a shout out to let's say Edge and Randy, Bailey and Sasha, um, Seth Rollins and Ray. Even though it went on a long time, it was a good feud at one point. Um, a
1: man, a man did lose an eye in that feud, so we, we should have given, yeah. given that a little more respect. But I digress. True.
0: And honestly, one of my favorite feuds of the year is currently happening, and that's Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. My wife will tell you I literally cried during their TLC match because the emotion of it is beautiful, and I hope that one day people will go back and watch that match and realize it's a five-star classic. And speaking of five-star classics, we're moving on to the final award
1: match of the year. I'm going to give it, you know, I'll, it's, it's both of our match of the year but I'm going to delve into why I want to give a quick shout out to Matthew Moore Hardy one time, because that man was ahead of his time. The introduction of the cinematic match was something that everybody thought, okay, it's just a Matt Hardy thing. The ultimate deletion and TNA and slash impact wrestling, um, the final deletion, the all that good stuff. Right. So in saying that, the year 2020 really changed our way, changed our perception of what wrestling is and what it could be because my match of the year. And I know it's brains as well. And I give brain all the credit for letting me have this one, even though it was both of ours at the end of the day, the match at WrestleMania undertakers final match ever. As of this recording, you never know anything can happen in WWE brother. The Boneyard match between AJ Styles and The Undertaker was my match of the year because the premise of professional wrestling is simple tell a story, right? Make it look real. There was no better story. Well, no, that's not true. The Firefly Funhouse match between Bray Wyatt and John Cena, phenomenal storytelling, phenomenal, right? But the Undertaker against AJ Styles to me just unintended. Just, thank you. It just it hit different. It hit different. The the athleticism AJ Styles showed against an aging Undertaker made it look like Taker could do this forever. And Taker probably could do it forever if every match was a cinematic match, but let's be real. Eventually crowds are going to come back. Live events, you know, live events are going to be live again. But look, what a way for the undertaker to end his career. Then that match against AJ styles. It told a story. It looked real. You know, you had AJ trying anything he could. He had gallows and Anderson back when they were employed by WWE. And then they were quickly released right after that. I don't know how that worked. You know, AJ and taker above all else. I hammer it home. Like an MFR, told a story. And that's all I ask for in pro wrestling. Tell me a story. Tell me why it's believe for a second there. You know, for for a couple seconds there, I thought AJ could have won that match. Taker really showed us that you know, under the right circumstances, he should still he could go still go at it. But what a way to end a career, man. That's why that was my match of the year. You know, I brand's more of the Undertaker guy than I am. I don't know if you guys go back and listen to our old episodes. Stone Cold Steve Austin is and will forever be my goat. Brian is Taker. Taker is Brian's goat. I am the but
0: Undertaker's goat.
1: I was about to say, Brian LaPrey is the Undertaker's goat, which, eh, maybe you never know. You should hook him up, and get him out on the podcast once in a while. Damn. Hey. But anyway, to me, that was my match of the year. And I, I know that you can delve a little better into that. So, take it away, Mr. LaPrey.
0: This match was basically, I mean, its it was my dream. Now, if you know anything about me. These are two of my three favorite wrestlers of all time. I'm not allowed to say one of the other ones, but AJ Styles and The Undertaker are in my top three all-time favorites. The Undertaker is my goat. AJ Styles may be the best in-ring performer of all time. He's high on the list. This was even still, despite all of that, nobody knew what to expect from this. COVID started So impact live events in the sense that people finally started going, oh, shit, we shouldn't be having 20,000 people in an arena right now, Uh, right around the time of WrestleMania. And that threw them a real curveball. And AJ Styles kind of carried this feud. And he went at The Undertaker in a way that nobody had ever gone at The Undertaker. He called him Mark Calloway. He referenced his wife and his Instagram and, and, you know, all these things and made it it seems crazy to say because The Undertaker's been around for 30 years and he's had some of the greatest rivalries ever, but AJ Styles, he kind of took what Edge did in the 2000s where he made it personal and he became the thorn in Undertaker's side and took it to another level where The Undertaker, as he said, he brought out the Holy Trinity, right? He brought out Mark Calloway, Biker Taker, as people called it, American Badass, and the Dead Man, And blended all three of those personas together and created one of the greatest matches of all time. You know, and I know that maybe this seems like a cop out to some people because, Oh, it's not a match. It's a cinematic. I get that. But 2020 has been such a weird year that I think nothing we've really seen beyond what early March, late February, whatever it was, is really, quote-unquote, normal wrestling. I, I think the Boneyard match, it main-evented the first night of WrestleMania. I, th- I think that that's about as big of a compliment as I can get it in that it main-evented it, and when it went off the air, you wouldn't have wanted to watch anything else. That It, it was breathtaking. The story was, as Bear said, phenomenal. AJ Styles went out there and... I mean, I I know we like to keep it kayfabe here, but I think what enhances the match for me is watching that Broken Skull Sessions with The Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Taker literally, no exaggeration, saying if anyone else in the entire world of professional wrestling had called me for that match, I would have said no. But AJ called, and I had to say yes because he's the guy. He's the guy I would come out of retirement for. He and Stone Cold both called AJ Styles the closest thing to Shawn Michaels. Both those guys watch a great deal of wrestling. If you've seen Undertaker interviews, you know he's aware of wrestling outside of WWE. Shocking, I know. But point is, you got two of the greatest of all time in a, in a really in a position that everything could have gone awry. And they made what was the Undertaker's phrase? Making chicken salad out of chicken shit. That's what they did. And and shout out to Matt Hardy for popularizing these cinematic matches. But, you know, I I guess what it really just comes down to at the end of the day is this. There was no better way for The Undertaker to go out. To ride off into the sunset. To always be that mystical legend. Because that's what he is. He's this mystical legend where it's almost like half wrestler, half science fiction. And this preserved his legacy. This enhanced his legacy. This gave AJ Styles a match that people will always talk about. And a lot of matches happened this year. A lot of great feuds. A lot of great wrestling. Despite the, the chaos of it all, this was a great year for WWE from a pure content perspective. I know that maybe... Some people haven't loved certain elements of it or loved the week to week stuff. But I think overall you can look back and take a lot of great things from this year. And well, we want to know what you think. We want to know, do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Do you think we're smart? Do you think we're assholes? Well, I guess we could be smart and assholes. Who knows? They're not mutually exclusive. Uh, Point is we want to hear from you and we thank you so much for this entire year because It's been a wild ride for every person in every country. And we're honestly just grateful that we've all made it to this point. Um, And we thank everyone for their support. And if you'd like to give us some feedback, you can hit us up
1: on social media, but we've also
0: got a number to show. 614-450-0366.
1: 614-450-0366. Text it, hit us up on social media, whatever, or... Buy a shirt. Shout out to Ty, by the way. He has a podcast as well called Heroes and Brews Nerdy Dudes. He bought a T-shirt. He looks great in it. I'm going to post that picture here soon. But if you want to look stylish like Ty, whatamaneuver.net slash collection slash heel dash turns dash headlocks. Shirts, infant onesies. The birds are making a lot of noise right now. But that's okay because we're hammering it home. Text us. Hit us up on the social medias. We love you. We thank you for all the support we've been getting this year. We can't wait to make 2021 an even bigger year in terms of our goals with heel turns and headlocks. And we really we really just thank everybody for listening. We're going to have more episodes before the year ends, but we're, just, we're super thankful for everything. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everything. Brian, I've missed you so much. So please tell these fine people what to do now. And that is to wear their masks and such, right?
0: That is absolutely correct. Please, everyone, wear your matches. Wow. Wear your masks. Be safe out there. We just had a devastating month of COVID-related deaths in this country. I know it seems like maybe the end is near because there are talks of a vaccine, but please be safe. That is how we're going to get out of this. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. We love you dearly. We thank you for an incredible year of our lives. Despite everything, this has given us hope, and that's hard to come by. And uh, we love you dearly, and we thank you. Because without you, we wouldn't be able to do this. And that's why we just have a few words of wisdom to offer. And that is, if you can't do anything else today, keep on loving professional wrestling. Boom. You've been listening to Heel Turns and Headlocks with Bear Giulio and Brayen Lepre. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll be back soon with more. But until then, reach out on Facebook at Heel Turns and Headlocks, on Twitter at heel_turns_pod, underscore turns underscore pod, and on Instagram at Heel Turns and Headlocks. We'll see you next time.